The Christmas season brings about great joy, eggnog, gifts, Christmas carols, and the occasional holiday romp. Ho, ho, ho! So, put on your ugliest Christmas sweater, pour yourself some eggnog, and get ready for the 12 interviews of Christmas. All right. Not sure why the music's not firing. I was going to say, uh, it's not very festive in the studio, but I mean, whatever. I mean, we'll we'll still do the damn show. Um, (laughs) All right, folks. Good afternoon, comrade. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to the 12 interviews of Christmas installation number 11, the 11th one of these, which you know what that means. I'll let you do the math in your head. Tomorrow's the last one. That's, That's why I was going with that. Christmas Eve tomorrow, a special edition of the 12 interviews of Christmas newsflash or spoiler it's not really an interview tomorrow it's it's going to be it'll be some fun though so make sure that you don't miss it tomorrow or if you watch it over the weekend whenever you might take it in but you're going to know today's guest because today's guest is part of the team but he comes from a very fascinating industry an industry that has just totally gone to hell in a handbasket the guest is Tom Cunningham <laughs> who who you know all too well, and he's here. And the reason Tom is here is not just because he's a great American and, uh, a, a, you know, a part of the team here and a great friend, but Tom, and we'll get into this, has spent his entire career in the entertainment industry making, if you've watched a reality show, all the all the top reality TV shows, you've seen a lot of Tom's work because he's been involved in all those. He's got friends in the, in the space, and it's all changed a ton, so I want to get into that. But like we've done with so many of the guests during these twelve interviews of Christmas, Tom, we got to start here. What is your favorite Christmas movie? Uh, Elf. Okay. Yeah, that was I mean, quick. I mean, you were you were you were right on there. I like it. Yeah, because I've I've been going through this list with everybody over the last you know two weeks or so, and for me it's Elf. I know that you know the cast has a lot of communists in there, you know, like Ed Asner, but it's really it, it, you know at times you know Will Ferrell. I don't agree. You know he's out you know stumping for Beto and everything, but to me it, it it's it's number one for me. Yeah, it's a great movie. Well, here's the thing. Let's let's all be real honest. We've got to, and, and I think that we're making strides collectively as a country and particularly as conservatives in this country of creating kind of this parallel economy and market and this, that, and the other. But you can't do it all at once. And Hollywood is going to be one of the hardest ones to do it with. So, uh, you know, don't rob yourself of all the joy and just don't watch anything. Because you really, you'd have almost nothing to watch if you just went you know, I'm not watching that person anymore. Like Will Ferrell does have some awful stuff, but Will Ferrell is also freaking hilarious. Some of the best movies that we've all laughed at over the years are Will Ferrell movies. So, um, no, I think that's a good one. I think Elf probably, Disco, would you say takes the cake at this point? I think it maybe got the most votes. Yeah, so far. I mean, I know we've had like two Home Alones, um, but yeah, Elf is taking it uh, to... I think that's the winner of the year. I wish I had like an applause and a dun 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 dun, dun, dun but it, I don't have that. You know. Congrats. I mean, Sorry. we'll send like a fruit basket <laughs> yeah. or something to them. You know what we'll send? We'll send one of those edible arrangements. Um, I like to reference it. You know, we got this massive live TV show deal <laughs> years ago. We're going to bring a company out of uh, up from its knees, and, and the investor sent us an edible edible arrangements basket it was great really felt like it was the right the right move at the time 
Uh, made no one's heart warm or excited whatsoever. I, I think it even no one ate it either. It sat no. there. I think you ended up taking it home <laughs> just so your kids could have it. You I know, I would instead of like having cookies in an edible arrangement, I'd really like to have an edible arrangement that was cold cuts, where you had you know like uh, salami, you know, like wrapped like looking like a rose, and uh, <laughs> you know, and other meats like you know, just like a bouquet of potted meats. I, I... Potted meat. I, I like behind. that. I can get yeah, behind can that get behind that. <laughs> yeah. I, do we start our own company doing that? I was just gonna say. I mean, it's that's a niche market that hasn't been tapped yet. Yeah, um, it has not been tapped. <laughs> no. What what's in the box, honey? Uh, um, a bouquet of meat, sandwich meat. Uh, it's really beautiful looking, and it's gonna be delicious when we eat it too. Yes. <laughs> Jennifer, that, thank that you like for the, the comment. Thanks for being in. here. And now with the the pot that it sits in, is it all like bread, so that you can break it off and then build a sandwich, and then, mm. or oh, yeah, or just it. like if you're just like fat bastard, you just take the bread bowl and just kind of collapse it on itself and eat the whole thing at once. Um, there's no judgment here. This is a judge free zone, guys. Can I just take a side to say, you know, we've not been quote unquote live on air the last two weeks. We are today. And damn, it's good to be with all of you guys. It's it feels you guys the team, but the audience like it feels it feels really good. Um, tomorrow's is pre recorded, but it's fun. I think you'll have a good time with it, and then we'll be back in in uh, in January. But <clears throat> it feels good to see all of you guys coming through and chatting, and and I, I've seen you guys chatting in the community too. I know Disco's been in the chat a couple times, so that's been awesome too. Uh, love Drew's yeah, sweater, uh, uh, thank you. Yeah, a few days ago I jumped in late. And this great conversation was going on and the show ended. And I was like, no, I don't want it to end. <laughs> like, like, I miss you guys. <laughs> well, we got to get that uh, Discord channel going and then just, you know, be going all the time. All the time. Yeah, exactly. That That's going to be great for all of our marriages and, um, and families. <laughs> um, OK, Tom, so let's. Let, what you, we've we've done this before. We're not going to go through your whole chronology um, and your whole career because it's it's extensive but what what year did you start in in the entertainment industry i started well actually i started the news industry in 1990 so i started you know working in tv news from 90 until 96 and then 96 is when i started on the tv show cops and then 2000 rolled around and survivor hit the airwaves and just the explosion of reality television just erupted from there and it's just been one tidal wave that I've been riding since then for the last 22 years. Yeah, man, it is crazy. You think back to when Survivor came out and how it did just, I mean, that it became a thing and it, it, it really has never ended. So yeah. and how, like, let's go back to then, right? Let's go back to, you know, after you started your career after cops, what's the, what's the industry like in terms of hiring practices in terms of and you know where i'm going with this in terms of woke not woke all of that kind of stuff that will that, that's definitely happening now and we'll get into but what's it like you know as as survivor kicks off you start getting into reality tv and and we're at that stage in time you know circa 2000 right um th- there's definitely there becomes a shift in hollywood because up until then you know everything was you know pretty much scripted and you still had you know people in the business um, you know, like longtime people, um, you know, like, uh, oh, the former uh, Charlton Heston, you know, people 
who, you know, had served the military, come out and, you know, worked as either as camera operators, directors, actors. So you still had that, you know, sense of patriotism, you know, within the business. And then as those as those uh, men, you know, started to die off and get out of the business and everything, there was a shift. And that shift also trickled over into reality television, where when I when I started on Cops, Cops was looked at kind of like this white trash novelty show, you know, that nobody <laughs> cared about. Because, you know, it was considered to be a documentary style television show, but all the documentarians, you know, like Ken Burns and everybody else were like, that's not documentary. That's the lowest common denominator, you know, just like totally, you know, poo pooed the entire show. But then that show, you know, caught its legs and sort of had a rebirth in 2000 because that show had started in 89 and, you know, had, you know, was you know, it wasn't ever like a huge hit, but it was always pulled in really great ratings. But then after that, you know, as far as like the types of people that started coming into reality television, you know, their ideas and ideals were different because most of us who started in reality either worked on cops or some kind of law enforcement show because those only those were the only sort of shows other than Survivor in real world that were reality style shows. So there's still a sense of, you know, you know, pride in America and doing what you want to do and, you know, being a rebel because, you know, you had the, the scripted world always looked at the reality world, you know, as a horrible stepbrother that they didn't want. And they would always, you know, try and kick you to the curb. So back then you wore that as a badge of honor. You know, we we're like these, you know, crazy cowboys, you know, running around the country in police cars, jumping out, you know, and filming and getting to car chases and, you know, all kinds of crazy stuff. But then as the years progressed, that sort of wildness of that feeling and that sort of, you know, individualist kind of America, America centric type characteristic that was in in all of us old heads who were former camera operators back then all started to go away and then it was then it became well it's got to be safe we got to do this you know and trying to like like what we're seeing right now the entertainment business was the same thing it was all about uh, you know risk mitigation yeah and once you decide you're not going to take risk then the product just isn't going to be as good and that goes all the way up to the top you know, the network executives who green light shows and, you know, are a part of the actual physical production of the show. Now, do you think that maybe, I mean, obviously there's a lot of factors, but do you think that maybe it, it starts to creep in like the early goings of the younger generation starting to work into the industry? Um, you know, obviously they're not making decisions at that point, but like, does that have anything to do with it? You know, because obviously academia and and the game that the left has played with our our, our students, for, uh, frankly, at this point, starting at damn near kindergarten, but certainly back at, at the collegiate level, th does that start to to make its mark on the entertainment industry at that point with all of these the personnel that's coming up through the ranks just being woke? Because but you know, fast forward to now, that's two thousand. You know, I don't know. Had Harvey Weinstein started raping people yet then, or was he not? <laughs> I believe so. Yeah, okay. <laughs> he was well into it. Yeah. He was into yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it, into it sounds it like the, the wrong it. phrase to use there. But the, yeah. um, you know, does that does that play in? I mean, again, I know that they weren't leadership then now, but fast forward twenty two years later, some of them are. Like, is that is that does that play a role? Yeah, that does. It, it plays somewhat of a role, but they still the people in those leadership roles now 
you know, came up in an industry where you had, you know, hard charging executives, you know, who chain smoked and, you know, who did cocaine openly in their offices and, you know, ate cereal out of the box and just like the most like mentally, you know, just like the craziest behavior you could ever imagine. But we're still geniuses at creating something, you know, in the post-production part of it. So that kind of behavior was kind of like, uh, we'll just set that aside. And, you know, that's just them. As long as they keep making money, you know, you know, we'll tolerate that. But and then so those executives saw that, you know, coming up as associate producers and so forth. And so they're kind of your their baseline for their their tolerance of things is a little bit higher than the new people who are getting into the business now who you know now I I produce and direct a lot of shows and I work with a lot of young people who are out of college you know who think they should have my job right <laughs> you know and they've been in the business you know 2 seconds but one of the most telling things is is when you you know, you start interacting with new camera operators or new sound mixers. When I started, somebody said, this is the shot we're going to get. I'm going to put you over here. You know, the, the cast is going to come through here. You're going to get this shot. You know, it's going to look fantastic. They're all like, okay, no problem. But it, and even if it was something that, you know, you may have felt uncomfortable with or you weren't sure how that was going to work, you would just go do it and make it work. Now it's, it, it always starts off with, I don't think I can do that. And that was something I had never heard before in my entire career with a camera operator saying, I don't think I can do that. You know, I was yeah. uh, directed a show dating naked. This is a great example. And so, you know, the premise of the show is, you know, you go out on a date naked. And so we would have them do all kinds of crazy things, you know, for their dates. And one day they had to ride ATVs in the mud. And so I told one of the camera operators, hop on the back of the ATV, you know, as the daters are going along, pull alongside, and, you know, get a nice tracking shot. And they're like, I, I can't do that. And I was like, you can't do that? All right, I'll show you how it's done. I took their camera. I went to my boss, who's the executive producer. I said, I need you to drive this ATV. So I got on the back of it and I said, just track with the other ATV and I'll get the shot. So we got the shot. The date continued after I called all the camera operators in. And I said, this is how you get a tracking shot. If you want me to continue to embarrass you by you telling me you can't do something, I will. But before, you know, but keep in mind, I'm not going to keep shooting. I will find somebody and bring them in and replace you. Yeah. To which they would be triggered. And Oh, yeah. There was no. a lot of crying that ensued. Yeah, of course. Got to have those <laughs> safe spaces on set now. Well, so so let's fast forward now to today. Like. Keep in mind, a lot of you in the audience maybe don't know this. Tom's won two Emmys before. He's He's been involved in all of these amazing shows over the years that you've watched. You don't always know who's involved behind the scenes, but but in, in damn near all the cases, Tom was. So you'd think with that resume and some 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 you know awards on your on your shelf, you'd be in high demand. But the problem is, Tom, is you're a little too normal. And I don't know that I've ever described you as normal. Um, none of us are really normal. You're definitely not normal. And I say that in the best way possible. But, but you know what I'm saying? And culturally, culturally resume-wise, all of that, you're a little too normal, a little too white. And it's, it's gotten to the point where if you're white, conservative, and normal, it's pretty damn hard to get a job out there. Am I wrong? No, you're not wrong. And, you know, I, I had worked on the show Live PD, you know, up in, from the time that it got on air 
when we had 150,000 viewers and watched that show grow up into three and a half million. It was probably, you know, one of the, you know, that was a highlight of the career, being able to, you know, be on a show from the beginning and see it just gain that kind of momentum in an audience. Right. And then it just, it all ended one day. You know, I got a phone call saying, hey, you know, the plug, the plug has been pulled, you know, time to go home. But then after that, you know, reaching out, because, you know, that I was on that show from 2016 to 2020. So, you know, I had a four-year run with that. Right. And so you kind of, you get out of loops that you'd been working in. Like before taking that show, I was directing Undercover Boss. And that show changed its format and eliminated the director while I was on uh, Live PD. And so that, that just sort of, so when I got out, that show, you know, had gone in a different direction. And then it was, you know, making contact again with people that I had worked with in different, you know, work circles. And then also reaching out to agents. And that's when I was slapped with the uh, with the hard, cold truth that there were a lot of other people in my position, you know, with the same sort of physical characteristics that I have that had representation who weren't getting jobs. So the agents would, you know, were right up, you know, straight up with me saying, look, we already have clients I can't get work for. I can't, you know, bring on another client, you know, who has the same resume and has the same you know, physical characteristics you do, um, who's not working. So I can't even bring you on. It's just, so it's been kind of. Yeah. And you see, I mean, I guess it's everywhere too, right? I mean, that's how the white house hires everyone. Like you're a gay black lesbian woman. Like you could be the press secretary and they say it too. Like that's how you got the job. We knew that about Katanji, you know, on Supreme court. Uh, we, you know, Biden said it about, or Jen Psaki said it about, uh kjp but it's 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 absolutely ridiculous that it's happening now because you don't check some boxes you've got all this history all this ability proven ability to go make amazing programming and because you don't check some identity boxes i mean you can't get a job and that's that's have you considered just changing your identity like your sexual identity for <laughs> interviews maybe that's the way to go I, I was thinking about it, but I, I don't, I, I, I've way too much facial hair to have any kind of like, you know, mascara rouge or anything. What, Sam Britton <laughs> keeps a mustache. He wears cherry red lipstick with a mustache. I think you could pull it off. I'm just saying um, something to consider, but it's, 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 it's gotta be devastating to be, you've been in that profession for over 30 years to be at this point now and feel like hey i've i've done some awesome stuff over the years and now i can't even get a lot of positions because i don't i don't check some box i mean that's got to be i and i know how you feel cuz you and i've talked about it and we talk about it when it happens but that's got to be just infuriating not just to you but to others in the space yeah and, and you know it it's kind of a double edged sword because I don't like to dwell on that, you know, that being the, the issue of me not getting jobs because it just sounds like such a cop out, you know, but it's, it, it's hard to like, you know, in this day and age, it's hard to be honest with people and say, well, that's actually, you know, that's 95% of it, yeah. you know, and because nobody wants to hear that. And then, you know, the other rebuttal is, well, well, maybe it's just, time that you step aside and allow other people to come in because you've had such a long run at doing this. So 
you know, there there is a tremendous amount of ageism as well in the entertainment industry. And it's not just, you know, in front of the camera, you know, in front of the camera, of course, females have it the worst when it comes to having, you know, a long career. Females who are on camera, it's a very short career. It's longer than an NFL running back on average, but it's still very short. Right. And then when you get hopped to the opposite side of the camera, you know, it's always, you know, wanting people who are younger with fresher ideas, with a fresher approach, you know, to production and, and reaching, you know, that audience. But what a lot of times what people fail to realize is when you've been working in this business as long as I have, you have to keep up with trends. You have to keep up with pop culture. You have to know, you know, who the hot celebrities are. You have to know what, you know, kids 18 through 25, what their interests are and start formatting shows, you know, for them. But, you know, there's also times where, you know, there's other audiences that you get jobs for or you interview for that, you know, their audiences might skew a little bit older. And then those jobs become, I wouldn't say easier, but it's a a lot less hoops you have to jump through. And now it's when you pile COVID and all the COVID, you know, vaccine mandates and everything, then that just throws, you know another wrinkle into everything because every show pretty much is a COVID compliant show where everybody on the crew has to be vaccinated and show proof of vaccination and be tested every day. So, you know, you, well, you and they've hired people, it. COVID coordinators who, who monitor and check all that stuff, right. Who are on set. Oh yeah. Yeah. We, I just directed a show over the summer and out of the 175 people there, uh, I, me and a lot of the locals, cause we were, you know, in a different country shooting it, weren't vaccinated, but I was the only person from the United States who wasn't vaccinated, had to get a letter, you know, stating what, that I was allergic to the vaccine that, you know, the ingredient, one of the ingredients in there can kill me. And so that, you know, other people, you know, who are in different positions who applied for different positions on that show were turned down, even though that they had letters. So yeah. You know, it's just it, it. Like I said, it's just another it just seems like another unnecessary hoop that, you know, is being you know thrown in in front of everybody in the position that I'm in and other people who, you know, haven't been in this business as long as I've been. But for whatever reason, you know, haven't been vaccinated. Yeah. Well, there's just well, it's uh, crazy because. Sorry, I just wanted to chime yeah. in. It's crazy because when you think about, oh, let's do the <clears throat> the, the mandate on the vaccine cool you've just cut now your workforce let's in half all right now on top of that we want to make sure that we have you know someone of a different color skin or sexuality or whatever in these key roles cool now you're even bringing your workforce even further down than what it is so i'm afraid for the next five to ten years the garbage that's going to be produced the stuff that's going to come out you're gonna be like that's the best they could do that's the best like because you're, you're taking all the good people all the heavy hitters, people have been doing it for years. I'd rather have someone experienced like Tom, like yourself. So when we get into a, a bind or a pickle, you know, we're like, oh man, what's going to happen here? You're like, oh, I've, I've dealt with this before. This is what we got to do. Cool. And then we don't slow down on the production. But when you take those people out and they don't have that experience, it's going to show. People are going to stop going to the movies, stop watching TV shows because it's going to be awful. And that's the that's the part that I'm afraid of. Well, it's ridiculous across the board. The yeah, across the board, because, you know, whether it's a, a White House position, a staff position, you know, uh, they said we're only going to hire a black female like, OK, this everything across the planet in every country should be based on merit. 
and character and things like that that matter. So your your outcome, what what comes out in the backside is 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 something positive for everyone. But you say you're only doing that. You limit your scope of who you could, you, you 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 could have. You might have gotten. You might get lucky and get the best. They didn't with Katanji, but you might get. She can't even define what a woman is. But you might get lucky, and and get the best who just happens to be in that bin or that category. But odds are you're not going to. And it's the same thing with with Hollywood. Same thing with anything. We only want people who are vaccinated. We only want uh, women who identify as a couch. Um, and you know, change genders every three to four weeks, depending on their cycle, whatever the case might be. Like you, that's just no way to do things. You lose business, you lose talent, you lose everything, and it just it befuddles me how across the planet right now that's what everyone's doing. Nope, heels are in the ground. We're only doing this. It's like okay, well, you could have made a hundred million dollars. Now you're only going to make fifty. But maybe I don't get it. Right. And now it's become more of diversity of thought that's not tolerated. You know, you you can't think differently than anyone else. And somebody who grew up in Florida, you know, when you grow up in Florida, you think way differently than anyone else, anyone else does, because resourcefulness is like the number one thing. Resourcefulness and adaptability are the two greatest strengths that you get from growing up in Florida. And, you know, having that, you know, in my back pocket has always made it not as difficult for me to go to, you know, uh, Nigeria, to go to Democratic Republic of Congo, to go to Afghanistan, you know, and being able to to adapt and be resourceful and thrive in those places, which now, you know, when I go on different sets, there's so many people that have dietary restrictions that have, you know, this and that. And Drew, as you know... You know, we've we've both gone to the, the Shuras, you know, and sat down and had to choke down some of the worst food you could ever imagine. Yeah. So we wouldn't come across as being rude. Yeah. And I can't imagine anybody that I see, you know, coming up in like the camera and the documentary position. It's going to be very few. They're going to be able to, you know, insert themselves in that type of environment and thrive in it. Yeah. No, no, you're right. I mean, it's just... It's a different, it's a different breed. It's a different culture that's come up, and sadly, it doesn't seem like it's going anywhere. I want to pivot real quick. Today is December twenty third. It's Christmas. Let's pretend that you could get something shipped or delivered in time. You probably can't at this point, uh, but you've got to get Doctor Fauci a Christmas present. What are you getting him? <laughs> What am I getting, Dr. Fauci? What would be the best thing for Dr. Fauci? It, it, I mean, if I could ma- if I could wave a magic wand and have like a giant like like a stonehenge uh, type monument that has the name of every person that died of AIDS who AZT was pushed on, every person who had NIH and and NIAD experiments performed on them in different African countries, all the orphans that were, you know, exposed, that, that didn't, did not give consent that had medical treatments performed on them by, you know, one of those government agencies in a Manhattan hospital who were buried in mass graves. And everybody who has died from COVID and suicide and fentanyl ODs and have them on a big granite slab so he could look at that every day and realize 
those are the names for what he pushed on this planet. Yeah, that would be great. That's a great answer. I like it. He'd have to work it in. And then you know, things got really dark. Yeah, it got real dark. <laughs> but but I like that because he should be reminded of what a, a, a vile person he is. He can't be too tall of a stone. He won't be able to read it um, you know, past a certain certain level. Um but yeah, I think that's a great that's a great response. Um what I was gonna, is, I was gonna say another portrait of himself, but this one like in the nude or something, you know. Yes. <laughs> It should be, you know, it should be, it should be a portrait of him standing in front of a canvas, painting a picture of himself naked. I don't know why mm -hmm. he has to be naked, but yeah. that just seems like something <laughs> that he'd, he'd get off on. I don't know. Um, uh, for sure. <clears throat> I don't know. All right. What's your favorite Christmas song, Tom? Favorite Christmas song. Uh, I've got a couple. Baby I Got say... Back. What's that? <laughs> I said Baby Got Back. It's. Some people listen to it at Christmas. I don't. I don't know if Sir Mix a Lot's got a Christmas album or not. I would say he like added jingle bells in there. Yeah. I would say the Brian Setzer Orchestra Jingle Bell Rock. Okay, I like it. That's probably my favorite. And also, you know, uh, Lemmy Kilmister from Motorhead did a version of Run Rudolph Run, which is also a total classic. Because I don't know how many you know of your audience are Motorhead fans. But to hear Lemmy and his voice singing a Christmas carol is one of the greatest things I've ever heard in my entire life. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. I'll have to check. I, I, I presume there's a, a pretty small percentage who are Motorhead fans in the audience. But but leave it. You know, who knows? You, you, you never know. Ginger's looking it up. Of course, Ginger would. By the way, Ginger gave uh, an idea. Santa got sacked. But he, whether it's Santa got sacked, which he does in theory. I mean, he should have a sack. Or Santa got back. Um, I might have to make a music video for Santa Got Back. Um, I love all the words in there, real thick and juicy. All the, There's so much you could play with and do. Maybe that turns into a new music video next year. Um, we'll see. Tom, I got a question for you. Yes. Do you know what a Christmas tree and a, a man who's gotten a vasectomy have in common? Christmas tree and a man who's gotten a vasectomy. No, what? decorative balls yeah. <laughs> that's good <laughs> I, like I like that one <laughs> i like it i like uh, it all right so tom um what's you do obviously you're on the show it's, it's kind of different asking hey where do you follow tom well you come to booze and banter every day you watch this show who he, who he writes for and is, is heavily involved with all those kind of things but what's a good place for people to kind of keep up with you and what are some things coming if you want to get into it in sure. 2023 well i've got uh right now it just debuted i did a, sh a youtube show called free drink confessional but we're now over on rumble we've relaunched it and uh, it's over on rumble right now so if you want to check out some episodes of that that would be fantastic and you can also follow free drink confessional on instagram or my own personal page on instagram and i and on twitter i'm at run the world tom at uh, Twitter, <laughs> at Run the World Tom, yeah, yeah. At, okay. at Run the World Tom, yeah. But you know, we've got so uh, uh, Drew and I have been talking about this, and you know, I'm really excited about. I'm launching a new show on DrewBerquist.com and Drew Berquist uh, YouTube channel. It's called Badass Beards of History: How the World's Most Famous Facial Hair Saved the World. Yeah, it's gonna be epic. <laughs> it's gonna be educational. It's gonna have some Tom Flair in there because. 
I mean, let's just, I love it. I mean, we got to have some more. Yeah, Tom, Tom can't can't do it without Tom, no. Tom Flair. It's, <laughs> yeah. It is what it is. No, that's going to be awesome. We're excited to share this. So just so you guys know, too, in the audience, obviously we've not been doing the show on YouTube. We've been upset with them, mad at them. I wish Elon would freaking buy YouTube. Elon, buy YouTube. Um, but we are still going to use it because it's my biggest platform. It's our biggest tool when it's working to get stuff out there. So we're going to put a bunch more stuff on there. There's going to be clips of this is my show on there. Clips from some of, uh, well, there's going to be Tom's show on there. Clips from uh, Foreign and Domestic, the other show that Ray Dietrich and I do. There's going to be some clips from some other content over on Red Voice that we're going to put on there. Tons of all that to say. There's going to be a crap ton of stuff on YouTube. Once this last strike goes away, we're kind of letting it simmer down a little bit. Things are a little hot over there on YouTube. And then we're going to dump loads of content out. So hopefully there's going to be something for everyone. You can watch it all. You can watch some of it, whatever you want to do. So uh, we hope you enjoy that. Tom, thanks for spending time with us today. Uh, he's Tom. You'll see Tom tomorrow on the final installment of the 12 interviews of Christmas. But uh, definitely thanks for spending time with us today. You got it. Merry Christmas. And one thing that I want to say to everybody you know, we just had this conversation of how, you know, rough my career was and everything. I just want everybody in your audience to know that when I was being passed over for work, you were the only person that gave me the time of day and actually hired me for an entire year and a half. And I really appreciate that. Well, uh, I, I appreciate it. I'm, I'm, your, the, your struggles were, were our gain. Uh, <laughs> get, getting to have Tom, you know, more involved with everything we're doing here. Uh, I wouldn't have done it any other way. Hopefully we can just tell everyone else in the industry to piss off and, and just keep growing this thing and doing it right. Um, I love it. It's, it's, it's been awesome. It's been so friggin' fun. Um, I'm excited about all we're going to do in 2023. Go follow Tom on Twitter. Check out Free Drink Confessionals. Check out Badass Beards when it comes out. We'll tell you more about that when, when it happens. Tom will obviously be on the show to tell you as well. We hope you have an awesome Christmas. Enjoy the last episode tomorrow. We can't wait to see you again in January. There'll be some videos and some notes coming out about all that stuff. Get ready for the live call-in. I'm a little terrified if I'm being honest about it, but it's going to be fun. We'll make it work. Have a great day. Enjoy Christmas tomorrow, guys. Be safe. Be smart. Be free. Yippee-ki-yay, motherfuckers. <laughs>